Welcome to the Cougar Insiders Podcast. On this edition, we're going to bring you the latest in BYU basketball, the hiring of a coach, uh, what it means. We're going to break that down. We're going to also talk about football, a key injury to a BYU football player that's been nagging him for a while, and uh, now he's decided to hang it up. And also some great news for BYU's running back situation. This and much more on this edition of the Cougar Insider Podcast. Welcome to the Cougar Insiders Podcast. I'm Dick Harmon, a columnist for the Deseret News, along with beat writers Jeff Call and Brandon Gurney. We're coming to you from Provo, Utah, the intersection of all things BYU. And gentlemen, BYU has a basketball coach. I think it's the one that they wanted. I think it's a person that can step in right away, be on the run, is fully uh, oriented and educated to what's expected of a BYU coach. She knows about the standards, the honor code, the admittance uh, requirements, the, all the things and all the hurdles. He knows where some of the, most of the bones in the closet, sorry, Jeff called. This probably was a hire that uh, I think they were on to all the way. I do, yeah, exactly. And I think he, this is the guy that BYU wanted, and this is the guy that they needed, and they were able to get him. And uh, I really think that Mark Pope, like you said, he's he's going to hit the ground running because he's been here before. He knows the challenges and all the things that are involved with BYU. And I'm telling you, that, uh, that press conference is pretty impressive. I mean, it's kind of become cliche, winning the press conference of things, but he's a guy that uh, you know spoke his mind. He's got passion. He mentioned the word relentless numerous times. And then afterwards, he shook even our hands. He came up and talked to us. Uh, well, if there's one thing I could say, and I, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, I've been around a lot of coaches in five decades here at BYU, almost four, four and a half, five decades. And I would have to say that he's probably the smoothest, easiest smoother, saying the right things, being entertaining. More so than Roger Reed. Quoting things more than any that I can say, even Lavelle. And uh, it's, wow. it's amazing that, that he has that kind of a gift and it can be put to great uh, use, especially in recruiting. Brandon Gurney, he's already out. I, I, I'm always interested in the optics of, of how things look, uh, not, not to outsiders, but to BYU fans in general. And, and I think with this new era of BYU athletics and kind of where it's at, I think fans struggle looking for credibility within that program. Is it really what we believe it is? Is, is BYU still BYU? What is it? What are we cheering for? I, I, what's going on? And, and I think for the optics of that, I, I think the prospect that, that a lot of people uh, t- spoke about, it, and it was kind of the rub throughout the, the hiring process was that Mark Pope knows what BYU is and isn't going to come because he knows what BYU is. And to me, that's a that was a very scary prospect, uh, where you have your number one guy, a guy who's intimately familiar with what goes on here, what you're able to accomplish is, nah, nah, I don't want that. That's not a good look. Not exactly a good look. So, so I think the optics that, that this guy, yeah, I understand BYU. I'm the rising star and I want this, I think is a tremendous thing for, for the program, uh, for the credibility, for the optics, uh, for recruits, fans, boosters, what have you, that BYU was able to get its first choice, a guy that understands BYU, and yeah, he's coming, I think is a really good look for this program. You know, I, I think it comes at the right time, too, to have an experienced Division One uh, coach on hand because um, I, I don't want to get into bashing Dave Rose and his coaching staff that much, although that last game was an, an utter disaster for the program. But I will say this, that there were things and processes that were happening, well, I should say not happening on that staff and with those players. And it had to do a lot with player development. It had to do with energy. It had to do with passion. It had to do, uh, you know, with uh, a lot of different things that 
most staffs would be at their top of, and I think Dave had been in the past at his top of, but they just weren't getting done. Mark Pope's going to come in, and as he told uh, uh, one member of our staff on our editorial board in a great podcast, and you can download that podcast if you want to. It's called um, There For What? It's Boyd Matheson, and, and you can get it on uh, wherever you get podcasts or on DeseretNews.com. But one thing that he told Boyd is that very successful coaches like Rick Pitino, they, they like to break things right down to the scratch and then build them up. And they do that with prima donnas. They do that with, with athletes that maybe think that they're more than they should be, and he builds them back up, and he likes to break things. And if you're doing really well, well, you like to break things. If you're doing really, really bad, you especially want to break things and build it back up. But let's take a listen to this segment of this podcast that uh, he talks about how even today, when he gets a text or a phone call from Rick Pitino and he looks at it, he starts sweating. It had that that kind of effect on him. Listen. I want to ask one other question about uh, Kentucky, and that is you, you mentioned that, you know, these guys were all McDonald's All-Americans. And so when you have that much talent, uh, most of those guys, you know, would have been pampered from, you know, the time they were in the fifth or sixth grade. Yep. Uh, how do you how do you create the culture that takes all of that talent and self-interest and unites it around the, the common vision for the team? So this was this was this was actually I think Coach Patino's genius. Okay, so and I'm going to say this and and just bear with me for a second. So he he was so I mean he was so brutal and he was such a tyrant and it was so harsh. Okay, uh, I remember we we lost to uh, my junior. We lost to North Carolina in the Elite Eight to go to the Final Four. And the Final Four that year happened to be in Seattle, so I was going to actually get to go home for mm. the Final Four. Right. Wow. And and we have been ranked number one in the country, I think, almost the entire season. Obviously, North Carolina, a great program. It was Jerry Stackhouse and, and that whole crew. And um, and and we, we lost, and we didn't play very well, and we were just devastated. I mean, we were destroyed as a team. And so we went back to the hotel, and Coach met with us as a team, and we watched the game twice. We wow. watched it twice. And and he was he was crushing us. I, I mean, it was so personal and it was so brutal and it was so it was so it was awful. It was an awful experience. I'll never forget as long as I live. And and to a point where I, I guarantee you, every single one of us in that moment, like there there probably came close to some real hatred for this man, right? Mm-hmm. And then we go to our rooms. We finally get to our rooms late that night and we shut it down. And then we get calls early in the morning and he scheduled individual meetings with every with every single one of us and and I went down there and he personally individually in a closed room me and him just destroyed me right and it was at that point it was kind of my breaking point where I was just like I just hate this dude and I was and I, listen if, if if ever was there a guy that respected authority and was was a pleaser and what but, but but he pushed me to my very limit right and 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 then interesting enough we come back the next season and for the first time in 41 years we sweep the SEC season uh regular season and and we, we I think we averaged winning games by 24.5 points a game mm. And and that was a league that had five teams or six teams most of the year in the top twenty-five, right. and and had f- uh, had f- 
three teams in the had two teams in the final four and I think four teams in the Sweet 16. It was a ridiculous league and the magic of what coach did and I don't I, I'm not saying I suggest this but the magic of what he did was he was so brutal to us because we were all prima donnas. We all thought we were going to the league. We all thought we should get everything. We all felt entitled, right? He was so brutal to us that the only option we had was to turn to each other to try and survive mm. him, wow. right? And I'm telling you, it wasn't by mistake. It was genius. <laughs> and and in the process, I, I, I believe this. I, I believe that it was really thought out. And I believe it was intentional. And, and and the thing is, is that all of us have so much love for Coach, but all of us have complete PTSD. When I see his <laughs> name pop up on my phone, I kid you not, like I, I break into the sweats. Right now, as a 46-year-old man, I break into the sweats. And that is unanimous through my team. Yeah. But he gave us an incredible gift, and he then that's that was his method of unifying a group that should have been uh, impossible to unify. One of the can- the BYU's coaching job was uh, a guy by the name of Mark Madsen, uh, uh, a very successful NBA coach um, with the Los Angeles Lakers, uh, an experienced nine-year veteran of an NBA player with the uh, Lakers and with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Also played at Stanford for a Final Four team, uh, a great LDS prospect out of uh, Walnut Creek, California. Jeff Call, he came right to the doorstep of this interview. They went another direction, but uh, now he's been hired at Utah Valley. What's the impact of his interview? for this job and the selection of Pope over uh, Madsen. I think Mark Madsen was a very serious candidate for this job at BYU. And from what we hear, he was uh, great in the interviews, very impressive. His knowledge, his uh, his passion and everything like that. What uh, One thing, aspect about his hiring is it's going to kind of make an interesting dynamic with this, you know, if there, if you call it a rivalry between BYU and UVU, because now you've got, uh, you've already had BYU players over at UVU. Now you got Mark Pope as UVU's, UVU's coach. There's guys in the transfer portal from UVU. Who knows where they'll end up? But but it makes for a really interesting dynamic, and I think I think UVU should be excited about who they have in Mark Matson. I think he brings uh, just a different perspective. I mean, his his wealth of experience in background, a guy that knows Kobe Bryant and Shaq and all these guys, and uh, you know, it's it's pretty pretty cool for UVU to have a guy of that caliber. And we'll be interested to see what he can do with recruiting and the style of play and all that stuff. It's great for the Valley to have these two guys. Yes, yeah, absolutely, here, Brandon Kearney. I I do think that uh, I kind of feel sorry for Utah Valley in a way because they had their guy, they had Mark Pope, they had his staff intact. Now they didn't choose a member of his staff to take over the program. And I think there's a natural inclination for those players to be very disappointed, very frustrated, very angry that Mark Pope is gone and possibility that his coaching staff that was with him, pretty good guys, might be following him to BYU and that leaves them almost with nothing. So he's 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 never been a Division One coach and he's going to start right now trying to, to get in there and plug that in. While on the other hand, what we're concerned with here is Mark Pope uh, may be off and running with his former staff, and the two worlds are completely different. Yeah, um, he's going to struggle keeping kids in that program. One thing we know about transfers, once you transfer, or you have someone in your family transfer, it makes it that much more easy to transfer again. Uh, uh, and and I, I, I think Toulson's gone. I, I think that's pretty apparent, and it's going to be tough, but talking to, just listening to Madsen, man, he exudes a lot of enthusiasm. You, you just, you're, you're you're just drawn to the guy. And what really struck me in that, in, in, in that press conference was how specific he got 
got with with just things that he learned and just uh, fundamentals with basketball and just strategies and all that. I don't think I've ever heard a coach be that specific uh, uh, during a press conference. You could tell that he has an absolute passion for it and, and, and just loves the, the nuts and bolts features of basketball. And I think in time he's going to be successful. I think that team's going to take a hit. They're, they're probably not going to be what they thought, but but I think that's kind of a natural thing. When you're UBU, I mean, with all due respect to UBU, I, it's not to the point where where it's a destination program. It's more of a stepping stone program right now. And maybe it will get there someday. But but right now, I think it'd be disingenuous to, to name it as, as, as a program that's just not anything other than a stepping stone right now. Well, Jeff Carr, one of the things that they've got to do immediately is to recruit BYU's players to the staff. They have to go to them and sell themselves, sell their program, get them going, get them excited about off-season workouts, get them plugged in. From what I can understand from Mark Pope, he's going to make these guys work extremely hard. He's going to he's going to skin them right down to the bone. But what kind of scholarship availabilities do you have on this staff to recruit incoming talent? Mark's already out seeing people. He made a visit to to, to see a player at Wasatch Academy, a guy from uh, Mali, Africa, 6'9", of power forward, who's a junior. And then he went up to uh, Washington, uh, the Seattle area, his hometown, and, and looked in at a guard there. But what are the availabilities of scholarships other than Yoli Child's scholarship that's open? Yeah, well, I, I mean, you got two guys, Ryland Bergerson and <clears throat> Jasheer Harnett, who are already announced they're leaving the program. I think there could be some more attrition in the next couple of weeks. I mean, we don't know. They very well could see other guys leaving the program and things like that. As far as recruiting, I do think Mark Pope, uh, a couple things that he will do is, number one, I think he's going to be pretty aggressive in international recruiting. Um, I heard that he's going, he's already planning a trip to Europe to try to plant those seeds and make those contacts and take it seriously. Because if you want to, let's be realistic, if you want to compete at the upper echelon of college basketball, you've got to have those guys. That's where we're headed now. And and I think BYU has the, the resources to do it. It's just a matter of finding the right people to do it and, and getting it done. And the other thing that I think Mark Pope brings is one of the things he'll emphasize is player development and getting guys ready for the next level and things like that. And, you know, I think one of the, the knocks on, on the old staff is that maybe these guys weren't getting developed. And maybe that's why you see guys like Yoli Childs and Elijah Bryant and uh, Eric Mika leaving because maybe they felt like they weren't getting better and they weren't getting to where they weren't going to end up where they wanted to be. So they decided to leave. And under Mark, Mark Pope, I think it's going to be a different thing. We'll see how it plays out. You know, before we leave basketball, let's listen to the press conference with uh, Mark Pope. Uh, we'll give you a segment of his uh, explanation of his passion of what he has and his energy level for BYU basketball. As coaches, we have this incredible gift of these young men who come to a school and they they sit across the table from you and they slide their trust across the table and they give it to you and they say, we're going to block out all the external noise that we get pounded with and all the internal noise that comes from us. And we are going to put, I'm going to, as a player, I'm going to put my trust into you and your staff. And that gift is like few others in life. And it really is a treasure and it's the great honor of coaching. And so I like to talk all the time about shepherding these young men. And I use that, I choose that word very carefully. Now, um, I shepherd maybe a little different than the classical shepherding. I think a lot of times in practice when things get really heated or in a game, my guys might look at me and be like, Coach, you're shepherding way different than we were taught before. But, um, but that's what we do with this young man, and, and it's what we'll do here as a staff at BYU. Um, we will be wholehearted. It's an important word. We will be wholehearted in everything we do. We will be relentless every minute. Every day, 24-7, chasing excellence on this team, relentless, and we will be together. 
And in all those ways, it will be our goal to represent this university and this community in a way that all of us are going to be extraordinarily proud of. And my deal is think about what you think we can't do as a program. Think about it. Let me know. And that's what we're going to go do. That's what we're going to get done. Right now, we're going to talk about uh, BYU football. And there's there's some things that have happened in the uh, football program just in the last few days that that really, I think, are pretty impactful. Uh, BYU got commitments from uh, a a senior graduate uh, transfer from South Carolina. If you look at his tape, the guy is incredibly quick. He's got good hands. He's shifty. He's a power back. A guy by the name of Taysan Williams. And and then you had a a four-star local kid, a defensive end, one of the best pass rushers that we've seen at BYU probably in the last three or four years, um, end up saying he's going to quit football. Brandon Gurney, what's the impact of these two decisions? Well, it's hard to say that that Longy Tuafu is going to be much of an impact because he didn't play. So, so, So whenever you say that, it's more about a building and whatnot, but I think we saw enough of him as a freshman to think, yeah, this guy's a player. And 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 the thing about BYU football that I don't understand, because it, it seems like it should be the same skill set as a tight end, by and large, is the lack of getting a good rush end in this program. Uh, defensive end, is it's not been a position where it's, I, I mean, for years, BYU essentially played just three down uh, uh, nose tackle types in that 3-4 system. But with this new 4-3 system, they need edge pass rushers. They need stars. And and I think Longy Tuafu had that in the, in him for sure. A uh, four star guy out of Bingham, guy that well, was committed to Oregon. He had he had multiple Pac twelve offers. He was a big big get. So so yeah, it, it's uh, potential wise that's a bad thing. But man, Williams from South Carolina, perfect, absolutely perfect. I, I mean, they scored, they got a super, and and now they got Williams coming in. I I, I don't think you could have scripted it much better uh, as far as what BYU needed, what they were able to get. I, I very good thing for the program. A super from Rice uh, University. Of transfer that uh, was there with uh, Coach um, A.J. Stewart and, and Jeff Call. The running back position at BYU was really, really the big question mark coming out of this uh, past fall and into spring, and now it looks like it could be, if these guys get into school and it actually happens, could be one of the strengths. Yeah, uh, it's pretty remarkable considering you went through the recruiting period and there's all these offers that went out to kids to try to fill a void at running back and really kind of swing and a miss. Nothing really happened. And so you go through spring ball and you're looking at the guys and uh, there was some encouraging things with seeing you know, Kavika Fanua back out there, all the injuries he's dealt with. Uh, Lupini Katoa looked pretty good, and, and you have other guys like Tyler Algier coming forward. But then, toward the end of spring, you get Asupa coming, which is huge for BYU, a guy with experience. And then now with uh, uh, Tyson Williams, I mean, wow, that's, uh, that's better than I think anyone would have expected for BYU. And if they can get these guys in, Get them acclimated. Uh, I think they could make both make a pretty big impact this fall. It'll be uh, it'll be fun to watch that develop this summer and this fall. Uh, let's shift gears a little bit. Uh, Cougar Classic in golf. If you like golf, Riverside Country Club this weekend, you're going to see one of the top five collegiate golfers in the country in BYU's Peter Guest. So if you want to go out and see some good play, go out and see that. BYU baseball has been on a tear. They've lost a couple of games, but they've been on a tear. They've been very good. They've had a couple of guys that have been recognized nationally for the way that they played. Brandon Gurney, uh, could you give us your take on that? And then Jeff. Yeah, I was able to interview uh, Mike Littlewood for an article a, a few weeks back, and he cleaned house. He absolutely cleaned house uh, with that program. He, he he let what was the number? I think he let ten guys go, and and uh, and he said several of them, maybe most of them. It wasn't their choice. He he just he just thought that the culture and culture is really important in baseball. You're playing more games than any other sport. There are a lot of up and downs, and you have to maintain a consistency in baseball. I I think maybe more so than than, than may, maybe in any other sport. I you could you could argue just because you're playing so much and it's easy to get down and just kind of get 
getting that rut. And, and I just think culture is just a big thing. And man, I've been a big fan of Littlewood. I think whenever he's great coach, when he's coming, he just ha- has the mentality, the enthusiasm, just a guy that's really easy to like and pull for. And, and I think he's, he's, he had a down year last year, but he recognized that and he fixed it. He, he by and large fixed it. And, and I think that's a real positive thing. Exciting thing go, going on with BYU baseball. Jeff Cole, your final word. Yeah. Just kind of tagging on with baseball, I think uh, you know BYU made the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago. Things seem to be going in a positive direction. And last year was that, like we, like Brandon mentioned, kind of the down year. But I think this team right now, I think it's uh, it's poised to get back to the NCAA's. I, I would expect that to happen because uh, they've got the pitching, they've got hitting. I mean, it's it's just a real complete deep team, and I, I expect to see big things from this baseball team this spring. Brandon, Jeff, thanks for uh, being here. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Cougar Insider Podcast. We'd love to hear from you through email at cougarinsiders at deseretnews.com. And please subscribe or download this podcast wherever you find it. We're working to deliver you the most up-to-date information on BYU sports and love to have you join us. Thank you. 